In this two-part interview, we speak with Chief Master Sergeant Lisa List and Master Sergeant Troy Tababin on the Air Force Paralegal Career Field within the Air Reserve Component, or ARC. This interview builds off of the interview on the ARC from an officer's perspective in episodes 38 and 39. Here are a few clips from part one of the interview. And what a lot of folks don't know is there is a lot of options there. Even if you separate from active duty and you join the reserve, you can do full-time tours at all different kinds of bases. If you're willing to move around, you have the opportunity to, to make some rank and, and experience new things and gain new leadership skills. Welcome to the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast, where we interview leaders, innovators, and influencers on the law, leadership, and best practices of the day. And now to your host from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School. Welcome to another episode from the Air Force Judge Advocate General School at Maxwell Air Force Base. I'm your host, Major Rick Hanrahan. Remember, if you like the show, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform and leaving a review. This helps us to grow an outreach to the JAG Corps and beyond. In today's interview, we're going to continue our discussion on the Air Force JAG Corps Air Reserve component with a focus on the enlisted paralegal career field. And we have two amazing guests on the show today, Chief Master Sergeant Lisa List and Master Sergeant Troy Tababin. Chief List and Master Sergeant Tababin, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank, thank you. you, sir. Chief Master Sergeant Lisa List is an Individual Mobilization Augmentee, or IMA, to the Senior Paralegal Manager to the Air Force Judge Advocate General, or TJAG. In this position, she serves as the Principal Advisor to the Senior Paralegal Manager, TJAG, and Senior Staff on All Reserve Enlisted Matters for Paralegals within the JAG Corps Worldwide. Chief List partners with senior leaders to review and manage the overall health of the reserve paralegal program to include quality of life, morale, and welfare issues. Chief List enlisted in the Air Force on active duty in 1994, where she performed three active duty assignments over about seven years, including two assignments at uh, base legal offices and one at the numbered Air Force. In 2002, she left active duty and joined the Category A Reserves, which we're going to talk about that reserve component here in today's interview. Through her career, she has held multiple senior enlisted positions at the Wing, Numbered Air Force, and MATCHCOM levels to include also as an active Guard Reserve or AGR tour at Robbins Air Force Base, Georgia. And I would like to personally note that I had the chance to work with Chief List when she was the Acting Superintendent at the Air Force Judge Advocate General School from December of 2018 to April of 2019. And our second guest, Master Sergeant Troy Tobabin, is the Law Office Superintendent assigned to the 10th Air Force at Naval Air Station Joint Reserve Base, Fort Worth, Texas. Master Sergeant Tobabin oversees legal services for all military personnel and dependents assigned to 10th Air Force. Master Sergeant Tobabin began his military career not in the Air Force, but in the Navy, on active duty assigned to the USS Constellation, where he served as an aviation boatswain's mate fuels for five years. He was next assigned to shore duty at Naval Air Station Barbers Point, Hawaii, where he remained until he left active duty in around 1999. Then, after an 11-year break in service, he joined the Air Force Reserve as a Category A 
Knowledge Operations Specialist for the 336 Air Reserves at March Air Reserve Base in California. And then he cross-trained into the paralegal career field and transferred to Hill Air Force Base in Utah before moving into his current position. So hopefully I gave uh, an okay summary for both of our guests there today, and they, can, and they can fill me in on anything that I may have missed. But with that, maybe we could start with Chief List, if you could provide a little more background on your current position and what you're doing right now. Thank you, sir. Um, in my current position, I'm basically with a senior enlisted advisor to the Judge Advocate General on the enlisted matters. So what does that mean? We, we monitor growth and development training um, professional and um, making sure that they're getting their professional development done and their skills training and making sure identifying any trends, negative or positive, and see if we need to make any corrections, such as the manning. Uh, we'll do a, a review of the enlisted training to make sure that we are capturing the skills that we need because of course we're continually evaluating that and updating it based on the current environment. And um, that's about it. Thanks. Great, Chief List. And for uh, Mass Sergeant Tobobbin, uh, where are you currently at and, and what are you up to these days? So currently uh, serving as a law office superintendent for 10th Air Force. And our responsibilities there are to, to help the wings below us it, to ensure that they're they're meeting the standards and, and giving them guidance and helping them um, get through their their service to the members out there in the field and just we're there for primarily a resource for them to help them along and make sure that they're meeting all the requirements and uh, any issues that they they may have with regulations or or laws we're we're there to to provide that assistance for them great thank you well today's uh interview is continuation of the one that we had with General New Rock and um, guests on the Air Force Reserve component from an officer perspective. And then today we'd like to focus on the paralegal perspective. Before we just, uh, started this interview today, we had a chance uh, to talk a little bit about both of your, your backgrounds and your interesting career trajectories that you've both had. And I was wondering if you could maybe just elaborate a little bit more on that, on your kind of career path and how you got into the career that you're in in the paralegal career field within the reserve component. And I'll start off with Chief List. All right, sir. So I initially enlisted in the Air Force in 1994. I came in as an information management specialist. We did not have a direct route to uh, paralegal at that time. So there, everybody who came in the career field had to retrain. Um, they were no non-prior service. I had in high school had been had a job at a lo local law firm as a runner. So if there's any lawyers out there, or anybody who's done that before, it's, it's not super glorious. You're running around with papers, getting them signatures, serving people, filing uh, paperwork at the courthouse, just literally running stuff around. Um, and uh, it wasn't super exciting, but neither was personnel. So <laughs> I got an opportunity while I was going to tech school, my first tech school to retrain into the paralegal career field because they were having some manning challenges. And uh, so they were they were retraining folks straight out of their first tech school. And so I was one of those. Uh, I retrained as an airman basic and then reported to my first base, which is Insurlik Air Base in Turkey. 
I am from Walla Walla, Washington, which is like a, a no place town, <laughs> very small, but beautiful. And I had not seen the world. And so going to Turkey was frightening and amazing at the same time. I absolutely loved it. I loved the food and the people and getting exposed to that culture. And it was an amazing assignment. So that is kind of how I started my career. I sewed on my first stripe. So I came with no stripes. I I didn't, I would have signed up for 20 years if the recruiter had a enlistment paperwork for 20 years, but I didn't realize at the time that if I would have signed up for six years, I would have got one stripe, but none of that really occurred to me. I was 17. I didn't know anything anyways, but no regrets. After all these years, I have almost 28 years of service and I have loved all of it, good and bad. And, and Chief, if I could follow up, you did a few assignments on active duty, and then you transitioned into the reserve component. Can you talk about that transition, why you transitioned, and how that came about? Absolutely, sir. So um, I'm married to my super, super patient husband, Nathan, and he is security forces. And uh, he was deployed. We had two children. Uh, at the time, I was on active duty at Dias, and we had just had our second child, our son, James. And that was in December of 2001. So if you track in the timelines, right after September 11th occurred. And uh, so he had been gone for, for a little bit. And it was just really difficult to have us both on active duty with children and the ops tempo of security forces um, deploying. But I loved serving. Uh, I wanted to keep that connection and to continue to con- grow my uh, my career on the military side, but on a part-time basis. And so I got a hold of the recruiter and uh, actually joined um, in my first unit as a reservist, was as a traditional reservist. That's the weekend warrior at the 301st Fighter Wing at uh, NAS Fort Worth, right next door to Sergeant Tobobbin. So um, I just, uh, I really enjoyed the family, the camaraderie, and um, feeling connected that way, even even as a part timer, you know, you drill, especially on the traditional reserve side. So you're drilling with the same folks. Um, they're usually assigned to the same unit for for quite some time. So you get to know them really well, and and you're working with them on a continuous basis. And I, I just really enjoyed that connection. Great stuff there, Chief. Thank you for sharing. And for our other guest, uh, Master Sergeant Tobobbin. Very interesting career path as well. Start off in the Navy. Can you walk us through that? Yes, sir. So uh, 1991, I enlisted in the Navy. And much like everybody else's entering the service, uh, I did that to mainly get some travel in and definitely uh, schooling. That was a a big draw for me. I served on the Constellation. And we actually started out in Philadelphia. Uh, The ship was in dry dock and being repaired. I was there for two years and then we actually sailed over to San Diego that ended up being our home port and I was there till about 1996 and then uh, the the kind of rite of passage in the Navy is to take your shore duty uh, when it's offered so after after serving a total of five years on Constellation I took shore duty in uh, Hawaii at Barbers Point and that was definitely amazing great experience there once in a lifetime, right, to, to live in Hawaii for three years. After my enlistment was up and discussions with my wife, we actually looked at going full-time Air Force and just transitioning services. But uh, for a variety of personal reasons, that just didn't work out. And 
Uh, there was no guarantee, of course, where you're going to be stationed initially. So um, that that just didn't work for us at the time. So I took an 11-year break in service. And, and eventually it came to the point of uh, I just realized how much I missed serving and and being a part of the community. And I went and talked to a reserve recruiter. And I was at the age that I was beyond being able to enlist but I, I was kind of at that period because I had prior service. They tack it onto your age, so it extends that uh, that opportunity that you have to come back in. And I was just right at that cusp, so I, I took it while I had the chance. And they were able to, to slot me in a, a knowledge operations position there at March Air Reserve Base, where we lived, pretty close to where we lived. And I did that for about a year, change of uh, civilian jobs. And I moved to Utah, looked for a an opening, and got a call and said, hey, we, we have this paralegal position up there. Would you be interested? Well, I knew nothing about it. And uh, I thought, you know, yeah, yeah, that sounds like an amazing opportunity. I went up there and interviewed with Master Sergeant DeLoss at the time and the uh, SJA and was selected. And that started my career in the, the uh, paralegal career field. And I... I've been at uh, Hill for about nine years, and I bounced between uh, the 419th Fighter Wing as a Cat A reservist and did some time as a IMA reservist at the 75th and then went back to the 419th for a while before transferring and accepting a position at 10th Air Force. So it's kind of been a, a long career, a long, uh, a long path to where I I am now, but as Chief Liss said, no regrets. I mean, it was uh, kind of the right place, the right time, and I've been able to excel in this career field. The people are great. It's it's just been an amazing experience all the way around. Well, that's a fascinating uh, story there. If, if I could ask just a few follow-up questions, what did you do in the civilian sector once you got out of active duty? Uh, I actually started out as a uh, currency room manager for Brinks in Los Angeles and then moved to a job as a security lieutenant for Mattel Toys, believe it or not, for uh, four years. And after that, I just, I I had this draw towards uh, IT and got into computers and uh, eventually worked my way up from a, a temporary personnel service to now I'm, uh, I work with the National Weather Service as uh, IT administrator for them. Well, thank you for sharing. Uh, one other question, I, and this is kind of for both uh, guests, but it seems that you've kind of had within you at least this desire for public service, right? Mass Sergeant Tobotman, you mentioned how you were thinking about this. You'd been out of the military for almost a, for over a decade, and still you still had this kind of, sounds like a calling or this feeling that you wanted to go back into service. Is that a fair statement? Uh, yes, sir. I think that's accurate. It's there's a certain sense of pride to be being able to help others, and it was just it's something that's always been inside me, and just being willing to to serve and and help others where I can. That's absolutely been a primary driver for me. And for Chief List, I mean, also sound the same way that you. I mean, you're ready to sign for 20 years, right, uh, on active duty. And because of a family situation, you had to make a decision, maybe a hard decision, right, and go into the reserves, but you've been very successful in the reserves. So have you always kind of felt that sense of that mission as well? Absolutely. Um, 
it was a hard decision for me personally outside of, you know, family was definitely a driver. Um, I, I probably would still be on active duty if, if circumstances were different, I don't know, but, um, I absolutely love service. I loved serving. Um, initially it was, I needed a job and, uh, wanted to see the world. That's initially why I joined, you know, but after serving, I just found my, my fellow airmen just, I just love them. I love serving alongside them. And like Sergeant Tababan said, you know, it's, it's, it's a sense of pride. It's a sense of doing something a little bit more that may not have been there when I initially joined, but it absolutely was there when, um, you know, when I was trying to weigh my options about between full-time and part-time service. And what a lot of folks don't know is there is a lot of options there. Even if you separate from active duty and you join the reserve, you can do full-time tours at all different kinds of bases. You can you can work when you want. You don't necessarily have to do orders uh, besides your statutory requirements if you don't want to, but you still get all these amazing benefits. Um, so just like with anything, it's whatever you make it out to be. Um, and I've just, I never thought I'd be active duty again, but I had the opportunity to serve five years um, active duty tour. And that, that was a great experience. My tour with the JAG school where, where you and I crossed paths was an extended active duty tour. That was absolutely an amazing tour. So you get a lot of different opportunities and it's just, it's just great. I just love it. I'm going to be one of those chiefs. They got a kick out of, you know, <laughs> screaming and, uh, dragging out because it's just I really really enjoy serving the airmen and chief list could could you elaborate on that a little bit because I think there is some misconceptions out there about how people think about these career right they think like either you're gonna go active duty and do that and, and then when you're done you're done right you're, you're out of the military or you're in the reserves and you're and they probably a lot of people think it's this traditional uh, one week in a month two weeks a year type of thing but you're saying actually there's there's other types of options out there. Can you talk a little bit more about that for our listeners? Absolutely. So um, the other thing, I'm, I'm not sure about the other services, but for the Air Force and the paralegal career field in particular, being able to serve in the different components, such as the, the IMA, the Cat B, um, or the traditional reserve, the Cat A, is very easy. So we, we want our folks to serve in the cat category um, that suits their lifestyle best at that time. So I have been, I started off as a traditional reserve, a reservist. Uh, I went into be to the active guard and reserve tour, which is an AGR tour. It's a statutory tour where you're full-time active duty, 24 seven, 365 supporting your reserve corps. And then um, I was also an IMA and I switched back and forth as, as my bio shows switched back forth uh, several times just because I, you know, wanted to experience different things. And when I was younger in my life, the traditional reserve worked better for me because I was working as a civilian um, and to be able to do my complete my duty for the majority of the time on the weekend worked better. Um, for me. But then as I grew in my civilian career and did different things, the IMA worked a little bit better 
So it just it just depends. And sometimes you need to take advantage of different opportunities based on what your own goals are. Um, I mean, Sergeant Tababin is living in Utah, but performing his drill once a month in Texas. I mean, that's that's huge. That's a that's a time change. That's a plane ride. It's it's a big lift. And you got to really have that drive for service to do that. Um, But he and I I don't want to speak for you, sir, but I'm sure he took advantage of that opportunity to grow his career. And um, sometimes decisions aren't always easy or convenient, but if it's what your goal is and you have the support of your family and friends, it, it makes it worth it for sure. Mass Sergeant Tobobin, I see you shaking your head in concurrence on a lot of these points. And obviously our listeners can't see you, but I can here on our Skype platform. But for our listeners that are listening, could you maybe elaborate on, on that? Yeah, so the, the JAG Corps offers some amazing room for growth. And as Chief List said, yes, I, I travel every month to uh, Fort Worth, and it is an opportunity to grow my career. I mean, that, as you mentioned, going between Cat A and, and Category B and just gaining that experience, there, there's lots of things out there that are offered. If you're willing to move around, you have the opportunity to to make some rank and and experience new things and gain new leadership skills. I've had the opportunity to serve at uh, the Air Force Academy twice on uh, short tour orders, and that was amazing experience. It's a definitely a different environment uh, for the JAG Corps. There's there's a couple of different components there, so so gaining that experience has been amazing. That's the great thing about the JAG Corps. You, you have a couple of different options there. If you're happy with where you're at and the mission you're doing and, and the people you're serving, you can certainly stay at, at you know one particular base or one particular office. Or maybe if uh, the base like Hill has a reserve component and an active component, maybe you can bounce back and forth between um, the different categories and serve those offices. But if, if you're willing to grow and travel a little bit, to use the phrase, the world is your oyster, I mean, you can travel and gain those experiences and, and uh, get some really unique experiences. Thank you so much. And yeah, I, I think through so many episodes we had with so many different guests that both of your experiences just showcase again that there is not necessarily one path right through a, a military career. There's many paths, probably a million and one ways that this can be worked. So thank you for, for kind of sharing that. And for folks that are listening to maybe just this episode for the first time, it, I know we're throwing around some terms here like category A, category B, reservist. That was discussed in, in detail with General Newrock uh, in, a, in a previous episode and, and guests from the officer perspective. So I would encourage you to go to that episode to listen to that where, where he talks about that in detail. So I'd like to kind of move into um, just kind of a, a broad question on the career field of the paralegal career field. So maybe for, I'll start with Chief List again, what is a military paralegal and what do they do? So a military paralegal is uh, Judge Advocate's right arm and sometimes the left too, basically. Um, they are administrative support. They are, um, they augment and uh are kind of like a force multiplier for that judge advocate and do legal research. They can do legal writing. We are very military justice heavy 
in our career field. So we do case analysis. We have a database where we input in um, our cases. It's a lot of data entry, um, checklist centric. You got to make sure that you um, are giving the airmen due process. Um, also, we do legal assistance. We are on all the deployment lines when our airmen are getting ready to go to the front. We make sure that they are prepared um, legally with wills, power of attorneys, any outstanding legal issues that they might have. Um, our attorneys don't represent them, but they can definitely give guidance. And, um, and we are, are there part of the team every step of the way as a paralegal. And again, the paralegal career field is what you make of it as well. Uh, I, am, I am not shy, uh, as Major Hanrahan will know. <laughs> um, I definitely am constantly asking, even at this level of where I'm at, I'm asking my JAGs and my fellow paralegals, what can I do to make your job easier? And sometimes it's as simple as answering the phone. That's not super sexy, but that's just as important as a legal brief sometimes. Um, so it, it is definitely all of what you make of it. And, um, and I've been really blessed in my career where I had worked with a lot of attorneys who were willing to allow me to stretch my legs in my legal re uh, writing and research skill set. And uh, as we've moved on in the years since I've been in, it's, it's now more than the rule rather than the exception. So I think that's really, really important. And maybe I'll offer this question to both guests. Uh, what is kind of a, I don't know, quote unquote, normal career path for a paralegal? Like where would a paralegal typically start off with their first assignment and then second assignment, et cetera? Um, I'll go ahead and start off on that. And, a normal, normally what you would be is um, you would you would go to your tech school and you would be assigned to a base wing legal office. Um, you would get general expertise and skills in a few different areas. So general civil law and military justice. And um, once you've kind of honed those skills, you would then typically move up. Uh, you would be like an NCOIC, uh, that's non-commissioned officer in charge of a section or an area of law. And then you can move on to being a law office superintendent. And that's uh, where you would manage the entire office. And then once you get experience in there, there's a few different paths. Um, you can go to the numbered Air Force, like uh, Master Sergeant Tababan, and then um, also the major command level as well. And that you definitely would want to get your breadth of experience in the different components or different categories like the IMA, IMA or traditional reserve, um, just to kind of broaden and round yourself out. That's typically it on the reserve side. And then other ways to grow your experience would to be um, special duty assignments like do a tour at the academy or the JAG school or different areas just to kind of expand your knowledge and mission set. And for Mass Sergeant Tobobin, you obviously had pr previous careers prior to going into the paralegal career track. How did that help set you up for success in the paralegal career track for folks out there that maybe are coming from prior careers? You know, I, I think the big thing is uh, just having experience with different types of people and and understanding that not everybody's the same. I mean, it's uh, it's like Chief Les said. I mean, it, part, of, part of our duties 
is to to ensure that people are given due process, that the, they're given uh, the opportunity to, whether it's defend themselves or or what have you, but uh, just understanding that, you know, there, there are circumstances behind a lot of what we see. It's not always cut and dry. It's not always, you know, this person did wrong and it's, you know, black and white, because it's really not. There's there's circumstances behind people's motivation to to do right and wrong. And I think having that experience from the outside world, whether it's, you know, prior military service or or even your civilian career, you kind of understand that there's motivating factors there, whether it's uh, family situations or, or just, you know, stressors that, you know, con- contribute to people's actions. And I, I think the outside world kind of makes you realize that and you can take that experience and and apply it to this career field and understand how you can better serve these people. One question I could probably see from some folks, whether they're in the military or not, but if they're outside of the legal uh, profession and they might be considering uh, this kind of path, what are some of the, I guess, the similarities and or differences of uh, a military paralegal versus maybe in the civilian sector? I was a civilian paralegal in, uh, in New York, Buffalo, New York, when we were up there for about three years in a general law firm. And um, there's not too much of a, a difference, honestly. Um, in fact, I think that my attorney <laughs> utilized me a lot more as a civilian, but it was a small firm, um, very similar setup to like a traditional reserve office where there was just two attorneys and then me and that was it. I think that uh, the skills translate very, very well. And uh, the way I marketed myself was, you know, they didn't initially want to hire because it's one deep, but I didn't have any. So their primary practice was family law and real estate law, neither of which we really deal with um, in the military side of things. But the basic skill sets are are exactly the same. So I marketed myself with my research, my writing, um, my management, my office management skills, um, and just you know, I basically said, just I promise, just give me a shot, and and uh, like within the next day, he, you know. So I was started off on temporary, and the next day he wanted to hire me full time. <laughs> so. We are used to working under pressure. We're used to timelines. We're we're very organized. We're very detail-oriented. And we are mission-centric. So we bring a lot to our civilian counterparts in that some, many, if you start off as a civilian paralegal, maybe you're not so much, you you get burnt out or, or you're not necessarily focused on getting stuff done because you know it'll get done eventually. It's just not as much of a, a driver. But when you grow up in the military, I mean, that's that's it. The mission is it. You're going to get it done. And, um, and I think that's something that really, really resonates with the civilian law practice as well. And kind of looping what Chief List just said for Mass Sergeant Tobobbin, how have you been able to utilize what you've learned as a paralegal over this last, what, close to 10 years or so within your civilian career? You know, I, I think what I've gained from the paralegal career field that can be applied to civilian is uh, more more leadership 
opportunities and more uh, that that foundation is definitely um, gained from not only the military, but the paralegal career field. Uh, we have plenty of opportunities to, to lead. And I think uh, a lot of responsibility is put on us to assist our JAGs and kind of help them along as well. You know, I think I think you learn that you're a little more valuable than just your job, right? It's it's you have an opportunity to, to help them and lead a little bit. And as Chief Liz said, you know, they give you the the chance to to kind of spread your wings and and learn. And and I think uh, that that translates very well to the civilian side. It just it, it shows that you're willing to to take on tasks and lead those and lead others. It gives you the opportunity to to grow on the civilian side as well, where a lot of times those opportunities aren't offered. That concludes part one of our interview with Chief Master Sergeant Lisa List and Master Sergeant Troy Tababin. Please stay tuned for part two in the next episode for the remainder of this interview. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Air Force Judge Advocate General's Reporter Podcast. We welcome your feedback. Please subscribe to our show on iTunes or Stitcher and leave a review. This helps us grow, innovate, and develop an even better JAG Corps. Until next time, nothing from this show or any others should be construed as legal advice. Please consult an attorney for any legal issue. Nothing from this show is endorsed by the federal government, Air Force, or any of its components. All content and opinions are those of our guests and hosts. Thank you.